It is really good to see you today. I am excited to be able to introduce our speaker today. Um, you may recognize his face from a video we played a month or two ago. This is Dan Garrett, and he is the Director of Church Relations with Christian City. Um, Christian City is one of our mission partners that we've supported for, I've heard, over 50 years. Like, it is our longest-running uh, mission partner. Um, and so your gifts and your ties go to do all the things they do, which, which starts basically, I think you said six years old is your youngest. Um, they take in kids in the foster system. They can't find kids, uh, people to foster them. Um, and they help kids who have transitioned out of foster care and can't find housing. Um, and then they help all the way to senior adults who, who need assisted living. And so everywhere in between, like it is literally a Christian city yeah. that you guys have that are supporting people. Um, and so we love that about him. But even more than that, Dan is one of our own. So they've got a house here, and most weekends they're here. You'll see him sitting in our crowd. Um, but he's also been connected with the Christian church most of his life. He's been a pastor, a lead pastor, a youth minister. Um, and, and I just, man, I, I'll be honest. I love what you said last service, and I can't wait to hear it again. Um, you're going to take something really good away. But if you want to support uh, the ministry of Christian City, you can do that through Northridge. Your giving goes to help ministries like Christian City. And so you can give online. You can give the kiosks out there. You can scan the QR code in front of you and go to the hub. You can text the phone number. Go. What you do matters. You are changing people's lives uh, around the world and, and here in Georgia. But let's pray for Dan, and we'll jump into it. Uh, God, we are just so grateful um, for the word that uh, Dan has brought for us today. God, we pray that you will um, continue to guide him. And God, that he says the words that you would have him say to us. God, that we will have hearts that are softened and ears to hear um, what you would speak through him. God, we pray that you will bless uh, this service and all that, that you will have for it. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks. Um, yeah, we've, uh, I need to talk to the timing people. You, he used 18 of my seconds, if you could reset. Okay, thank you. Well, the last hour, you know, we went an hour and 10 minutes with the sermon, so I just wanted to give you a heads up on that. But they said you were the more spiritual group, so, well, nobody said that, but I just thought that'd be nice to tell you that. Um, so the preacher starts off lying. Um, I, I just do want to say I want to introduce my wife, Carol. We're here um, uh, many weekends, many weekends, and um, we're probably here more than anywhere else other than me speaking for Christian City. And thank you on behalf of Christian City. It's a thousand adults, a thousand kids and adults living on uh, 500 acres just below the airport uh, in Atlanta. <clears throat> and you're making a difference across Georgia in terms of bringing in foster kids and training uh, families on how to foster and adopt. <clears throat> so, um, <clears throat> man, I, you know, sorry. Um, July 4, uh, July 4, 2018, I woke up and I couldn't talk. And for seven weeks, I couldn't talk. And I've never seen my wife so spiritual. Uh, um, but it's like I told the doctor with a whisper, you got to fix this because I don't know how to do anything. I mean, I'll starve to death. Uh, talking is the way I make a living. And he thought that was funny. But um, we finally figured it out. But <clears throat> I'm sorry uh, it, uh, after speaking this morning. It, anyway, I'm just going to sip on this if you don't mind occasionally. I hate listening to somebody clear their throat, so I'm, I'll, I'll do that. Okay. All right. We got lots. 
we got lots to do. You know, if you've been here the last few weeks, as we have, we've really enjoyed the series. And, and I just want to say I'm grateful for this staff, this church. Uh, you're doing so many good things. I hope, you're, I hope you're aware of how blessed you are, really, with the leaders that, that you have. Because it's, it's an awesome team. Um, the bumper, the thing that's usually come up, is, is a family smiling and then as, you know, it's a close-up, and then it pans out, and they're standing, and their house is burned down behind them. And the whole idea is that it's not always what you see. I, I brought a picture of my family uh, growing up. Uh, a smart-looking kid, isn't it? Sharp. It just looks intelligent. So in the old days, um, these photographers would come through your neighborhood. I don't know if anybody remembers this. They would just knock on your door and give you a few minutes to change, and they would do a photograph, because a lot of people didn't go, uh, you know, I grew up in a small town, you didn't always have all these things. So what's interesting is that my dad has on blue jeans, I'm not sure if that's a dress or a coat from those days, or whatever, but I know my mother, you know, fixed her hair real quick and did this, and I've got on shorts, but the thing is, you don't see any of that, right? And this is such a great metaphor for what we're talking about today, uh, families in crisis. I have great memories when I look at the picture of my family. Uh, we used to, Sundays, we'd go get Kentucky Fried Chicken and, and then ride around in the convertible that my dad had, and we'd look at houses. That was something he loved doing. And we'd ride around Knoxville, Tennessee, looking at new subdivisions. But mixed in with that great memory is a haze of uh, hurt and violence and pain. It's what you see and what you don't see. And while not every family lives in trauma or crisis, most people here have encountered something like a crisis, like waking up and you can't talk. The end of that story, by the way, shouldn't start and not finish. We figured it out. It's, I still wear out, but I'm able to talk. But uh, that was pretty traumatic for somebody who loves to talk I'd rather talk than eat. I'd rather talk to just about anything. But also, it was how I made my living. And, and um, what, what do we do when we face uh, a crisis? And often we ask, why God? If, if there's, even if you're not a God believer, a lot of times, once you can't figure out your own situation, you're saying, hey, whoever's out there or up there, uh, why did this happen? I think every family has crossed paths with addiction or uh, mood disorders or uh, some, some kind of challenge. Uh, depression is very prevalent, and we ask, why God? I have to tell you that I've been working on this message for the past couple of weeks, and it's been pretty stressful, actually. Uh, as a youth minister, I was a youth minister 11 years in Decatur, Georgia, a large church, and, and truly, I think, we probably saw every kind of challenge, every kind of trouble there was. But for me, uh, I mean, I, I relived the last couple of weeks just the, the funerals, the, the getting the, helping that family get their daughter into treatment and multiple stories of that. Uh, being at the ICU, driving, you know, so fast and meeting the family and what everybody's in the waiting room, wondering uh, at the emergency room, I see what's going to happen. We had a, uh, 
we had a car wreck, five of our kids, three girls, three teenage girls, two guys in the front, and the guys in the front uh, were killed. And uh, one went to Brookwood High School, one went to Parkview High School, two of the largest schools in the state of Georgia. And we filled our sanctuary, 2,500 people, at 10 o'clock, Chris, 2 o'clock, Matt's funeral on the same day. But we knew that Matt and Chris believed in Jesus, had, had yielded their lives to him. We knew that God is faithful. And while we grieved and, and it, was, it was hard and it was a long time of working through that, encompassing all of our grief was a rock-solid truth and assurance that they were not gone. They were no longer with us in time, space, realm, but we knew that they existed with Christ. And that's what, that's what got us through. We, we see kids come into Christian City. Um, I, I, really, the stories would sicken you. I mean, we, not too long ago, three boys chained to the bunk bed and the uncle renting them out. I don't want to tell you one story so that you'll, you'll grasp the, the, the heaviness of this. I won't tell you anymore. I, I'll tell you one that's a little different. I went to a 4th of July thing and I'm standing in line. There's a guy in front of me and we're a big campus. We've got a lot of people. and uh, So, you know, we got to talking and um, I said, well, you know, are you new with us? Yeah. He's uh, 17 years old. He'd been in 27 foster homes or group homes or psychiatric treatment, which he didn't need to be there. It's just they didn't know what else to do with him. We ask, why, why God? Why, why these kids? Why, why this uncle? Why, why awful things? And what we're going to talk about today, okay, get ready. We're going to talk about theology. So I know that there's about three of you excited for that. <laughs> Me and John and one other lady out there, I'm sure. Uh, theology is simply this. Who is God and how does he work? And, and it's, it's funny to me because people will say, uh, well, I don't, I don't talk about theology. I don't even understand what I... But everybody has a theology. Everybody has a worldview. Everybody has a philosophy. Everybody has a, an understanding or at least a, a belief system about how the world works. They just may not know how to articulate that or, or they may not call it a theology. But it, it's a view of how God works. When my wife and I moved to, uh, to Atlanta a number of years ago, uh, we'd been there two or three days. We got to unpack our stuff, and we're looking around the neighborhood, you know, salt and light, we're ready, you know. And we'd seen this older couple across the road. And so um, I saw the fella, uh, older fella, he was out in the yard, and he's down, down his knees, and he's digging in the grass, and I said, oh, this is great, I'll, I'll go over. So I walked over, and I know he knew I, he knew I was standing there, and, but he didn't say anything. I said, um, <clears throat> hello, I'm Dan, and he goes, oh, yeah, you're the preacher? Never looked up. Of course, you know, the neighborhood already, people knew. Oh, yeah, you're the preacher? Well, I don't believe in God because God called, calls my sister to die with cancer. Okay, can't wait to live here for 10 more years. All right, good, good, good stuff. 
But you know what? That's a reality. He had formed a view of God based on a painful experience, probably when he was a, a young man, because it had been many years. But that, that was how he viewed the world, and that was how he viewed God. And that shaped everything else that he experienced and saw in life. He was running through that grid that the, if there is a God, he kills your sister with cancer. The Apostle Paul is right now, we're going to talk about death for just a minute, but that's not the whole time, okay? So hang with me. <clears throat> Man, I'm sorry. Oh, wow. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians. The Apostle Paul is teaching a theology, and he says, I don't want you to be uh, uninformed about those who sleep in death. Now, he deliberately chooses sleep, and you see this in other writings in the Scripture, uh, sleep softening that finality of death. But I don't want you to be uninformed so that you do not grieve like your neighbors, like the people who don't know God. They are not aware that there's a God. And I don't want you to grieve like those people who have no hope. And the words here are distraught or overwhelmed. People who have settled into, because of their bad theology, they've settled into Grandma's really gone. My child is really gone. This is all there is. The grave is all there is. And, and you know what? I visit graves. I, I do that. I have people that I go and I sit, talk, and reminisce. But really, I know they're not there. I know those are bones. But, but we're so tied to that act, often because there's something in us that says, that's where they are. This is all that's left of them. And, and for believers... We've got a different path. He, and so Paul goes on to teach. And let me just go through this. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. We believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are alive. and he's, So now he's telling you how it's going to happen. We who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven, archangel, the trumpet call of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. And then those of us who are alive will be caught up in the air uh, to meet the Lord. So we will be with the Lord forever. And then he says, encourage one another with these words. Speak these truths to each other. One of the things that happens is when we come here together, especially in small groups, we are encouraging, we are speaking to each other. And when one is grieving, one is weeping, we're weeping with them, but we're also saying our hope in Christ, remember the resurrection. And so one of the things we're talking about today is I've got to embed these truths in my own spirit, but I'm also called to encourage those around me, those others in the body with these words that they're asleep, they're not completely gone. They're dead in this world, but they're alive in the next world. And so we, we see that good theology gives us hope, but bad theology confuses. Now, <laughs> so I just be sweet and just let's love each other. And we're friends. Carol and I go here. So you, if you attack me, it's like a fellow, you know, Northridger. Okay, so let's buckle up. We're going to tackle a couple of things. It, it takes seminary four semesters to do what I'm trying to do in the next 20 minutes. Okay, 18. So um, let, let's, let's, let's try to tackle this. What is it that we need to make it through life? That's really what we're talking about today. And, and what we need 
What will sustain us is knowing truth. Now, a lot of people misquote that verse, the truth will set you free. That's not the whole verse. Jesus is the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. And the truth will set you free. Jesus will set you free. So knowing that truth sets our minds straight. So here's the sermon in a sentence, which, by the way, I'm not a... That's hard for me here, sermon sense. I'm more of a sentence in a paragraph guy, sentence in four chapters, you know what I mean? Sentence, you know. Okay, sermon. God doesn't cause car wrecks and other theological truths that you need to know before the crisis hits. You know, I'm so passionate about this. I've been in the ER, I've been in the ICU for myself and with other people. And if you don't have it before you get there, it's hard to find it. You can't just start reaching for all those little signs in the kitchen and the cliches. You've got to have the hard truth embedded in your spirit. And again, this is not a, this is not a sermon at you. This, this is a sermon for us. This is a teaching that, that, that we want to grasp. So good theology gives hope. Bad theology confuses. I'll tell you just a couple stories. Uh, one was where I wanted to beat a lady up. But... Um, it's not my proudest moment, okay, judge me. Um, so I had a funeral for a baby. It's the worst thing, just the worst thing ever. Little casket, baby, mom. The mom's sitting on the front row, people are coming by, and people are so desperate to say something helpful. And this lady pats her on the leg, and she goes, Oh, I just know God needed that little angel up in heaven. My gosh. So I'm over there, I'm doing this, I'm beating her with a button. No, I, I didn't. But I wanted to because that is terrible theology. God doesn't kill babies because he needs an angel in heaven. There's so many things wrong just with that one sentence. You don't become an angel when you die. God doesn't, anyway, there was like 10 things wrong with that sentence. And I told her, there's 10 things wrong with your sentence. Um, the drunk... The drunk leaves the bar, crosses the yellow line, and kills the family in the minivan. And someone will say, well, I mean, everything happens for a reason. Are you serious? But see, that's bad theology confuses. And honestly, a lot of us are walking around with these, with these sayings, well, it's just part of God's plan. Okay, first off, I don't think you completely understand God's plan. Secondly, how do you know that? Thirdly, why are you here telling her that? And, and you know what it is? It's our human nature. And I also think some of this is about being American. We have such a desire for everything to make sense. We're so raised on rational that, that we, everything has to fit kind of our, our uh, time-space grid you know, absent any kind of miracle or divine intervention. Everything has to just make sense for us. And so we reach for these things that God has a plan and every, every, everything happens for a reason. Now, I told you, you've got to love me. We're going we're gonna to walk through some deep theology stuff in just a really few minutes. So just here, here, we're going to try to tackle this, all right? God does have a plan for you. Let's look at these real quick. God, God has a plan for you. just may not be what you think it is. Um, it is God's will that you should be uh, sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. <laughs> so all the years people would come to my office and go, you know what's God's will? 
especially young folks, you know, 20s, you know, should I move to Seattle? What's God's will? I said, I don't know, let's look up God's will. Oh, here it is. Avoid sexual immorality. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's not really why I was, what I was looking for. Um, another one is rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Quit complaining. Well, I'm not sure who to marry. Well, what, what, what are you telling me? Well, these two guys, well, are they both believers? Yeah. Well, do they, they treat you right? Yeah. God doesn't care. Oh, my gosh. What do you mean? You're, I'm here for you to tell me. I'm just telling you that in the Bible, the, all the picture I can get is that you're supposed to marry an, a, a, a believer. And, and also, that do they rejoice and pray and, uh, and don't complain? Here's how this works. God has a plan. God doesn't have a plan. Okay. The last one is, God wants all people to be saved. That's his will. So when we say, well, what is God's plan? God does have a plan for your life. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to be sexually pure. He wants you to be morally pure. He wants you to pray. He wants you to give thanks no matter what's going on in your life. And he wants you to be sweet to people, love God and love others. And, but he doesn't have a plan. And again, this is me teaching you. And you, we'll just take a number in the lobby. But let, let me just present this to you, you know, next. Um, but God has not figured out your whole life to go to Seattle for two years and then get the divorce and then come back home and declare bankruptcy. This is not God's plan. He gives us free will, the ability to choose. And so some of the things that happen to us, trauma, awful things, some of them are our choices. Some of them, like kids who come to my place, our place at Christian City, somebody else made some choices. And their trauma is a result of somebody else making a choice. And frankly, y'all, and I don't have time for this sermon, sometimes stuff just happens. And we don't always have to have an answer well, it's part of some master scheme. The picture I see of the Father in heaven is not playing a cosmic chess game with your life. Oh, well, smart Alec, we'll just see how he likes uh, COVID. <laughs> no mask, huh? Oh, you bought that? Okay. God, God doesn't do that. Now, when someone says everything happens for a reason, I say, oh, yes, that's true. Yeah, but Dan, you just walked over there and said, it's not true. I was like, yeah, things happen for a reason, but let me tell you what that reason is. It's theology. And here's what happened. In the history of humanity, we see Adam and Eve, either real or picture of the beginning of, of, of human existence. But they were given free will. It was a gift from God, part of his plan from the very beginning that his humans would enjoy a relationship with him, that it wouldn't be a forced kind of relationship, but that there would be a free will, that they would be able to choose or reject him. And we enjoy that free will through today. But our early humans made a choice to, to rebel against the leadership of the Father, and there was a consequence. They were in paradise, read the scripture, they were in paradise. Everybody's naked. God is hanging out with them. There, there is a, a closeness. 
And then they rebel. They go against God's rule. And he comes back. And now they have shame. There was no shame before. Now they have shame. They got dressed. And God says, from now on you work. So we can blame Adam and Eve. Paradise was, everybody was naked and eating. And then once they messed up, everybody had to get dressed and go to work. Now, that's a quick theology of Genesis, but you can check it out. Now, everything does happen for a reason, and here's the reason. It's called the fall. And when the fall, when the rebellion was introduced, when, when the rebellion happened, introduced into time-space for us was bacteria, tsunamis, disease, accidents, these did not happen in paradise, and once Christ comes and redeems the world, they will not happen in our new glorified world, in the new heavens and the new earth with glorified bodies. Will we all be like paradise? I, I don't know. I'm trying not to envision that for some of you, so I, I don't know. But, you know. So when someone says, now look, I mean, come on. I'm not going to say this in the emergency room. But when people say, gosh, he's so young. Why? Why? Y'all, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not mocking that, and I'm not demeaning that. I've been through lots of crises, and, and I've dealt with, with lots of other people's crisis and trauma. I'm not demeaning that. And I'm a good pastor in that situation. But there is an answer. Why? He's so young. Because we live in a world that is broken as a result of the fall and the scripture very clearly teaches that it rains on the just and the unjust. And so when hurricanes come, Christians are not immune to that. And often we fall prey to the, to the health and prosperity preaching that says God is most concerned with your health and safety. And you just check our prayers, y'all, I love you. But most of our prayers are about keep me safe and keep me well. The focus of Scripture and the focus of King Jesus was not on our health and our safety, but on our holiness. And God's priorities, as we saw in those Scriptures, was not traveling mercy so I can get to Macon without a car wreck. His priority is that we would give thanks and pray without ceasing and have a joyful attitude and love the unlovely and find people on the margins and bring Christ to them and be salt and light. He has a plan for us. That's it. His plan is not the absence of problems. And, and you see, if we can joyfully embrace the reality of the fall and the presence of the Holy Spirit and His power, we know that we are going to walk through this valley. We are going to walk through life circumstances not immune to problems, but we also do not walk through the valley without hope. I am with you and I will never leave you. And so that's the theology that guides us. Jesus said there's going to be problems. Okay, let, let's do 2 Corinthians 4. Oh, gosh, got to hurry. Okay. <clears throat> no, I don't. I don't have to hurry. It's second service. How you doing? <laughs> let's just tell some stories. Let's start over here. What's your greatest sin? And then we'll just... <laughs> that would be fun, though, wouldn't it? Okay, I'm back. There's a lot of little squirrels in there, y'all. Holy Spirit's like, oh, Dan's preaching 
Let's go, angels, everybody. <laughs> you know, focus, bro, focus. Okay, so here's what's happening. Paul, the Apostle Paul, here, here's, how, here's how the people who, were, who didn't like the Apostle Paul, here's what, they, here's what they were attacking with. You're suffering too much. You must not be a real apostle. You must not be a real preacher. You wouldn't be suffering so much, right? And it's that old covenant, which really isn't, isn't even an old covenant teaching, but the idea of blessing and curse. And that God blesses good people and curses bad people. And you better, and you know, it's this whole mix of, you know, uh, grandma sayings and uh, the signs that are on, in the kitchen with some mythology you learned in ninth grade and then some karma, some Buddhism mixed in. And that's what, that's what our cultural Christianity is. Well, that's just karma. Wait, are you a believer in Christ? Is that what you just said? That's karma? You know that's Hindu, right? Uh, well, um, I would not have you ignorant, brethren. <laughs> this is what happens with bad theology. And then, and then we, we absorb that stuff. Then we pat moms on the leg at funerals and tell them that God did this. Okay, okay, okay. So Paul's getting, wow, Paul's getting attacked for, being, for suffering too much. And also he and his preacher guys, uh, they're, they're being questioned. So he's defending that, and, and then he talks about God's grace and how he's been through shipwrecks and all this stuff. And then he says this, Since through God's mercy we have this ministry, this preaching ministry we have, we do not lose heart. We don't get discouraged. He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay. Now, jars of clay is humans, all right, just in these bodies. We have this treasure, God's grace and mercy, in jars of clay to show that the, the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So what he's saying is, we're not going into churches and saying, we're so cool. We're going in and saying, God is, is awesome. So back off. And then he says, we're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. I love this scripture. <clears throat> Perplexed. God, why? But not in despair. See, this is what God is saying. This is what the scripture is teaching. This is what this message is so, it, this is so important for us. It's okay to wonder. It's okay even, and the scripture teaches for us to shake our fists at God. He's giant God. He's not shaken by, oh my gosh, two of my little creatures are upset with him. He's God. He can handle. We're upset. We're grieving. We're stressed. We've, we've, we've lost important people. But he's saying, don't live there. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Outwardly, yeah, we're wasting away. But inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. So here's what we do. We fix our eyes. What does that mean? That means worldview. That means, that means theology. That, that, means, that means an intellectual understanding of what, how God works and who He is and who I am. And I fix my eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Right? Anybody with me? We fix our eyes not on what is temporary. Yes, it hurts for this loss. This addiction, this divorce, this terrible thing. But this is the temporary. And this is only a part of who I am, but it is not who I am. I am not my addiction. I'm who God says I am. 
I am not my, I'm not my divorce. I am who God says I am. I am not the bankruptcy. I am who God says I am. And I must put my faith not in what is seen, which is challenging and discouraging, but in what is unseen, which is unbreakable, never abandoned, never destroyed. We fix our eyes on what is unseen. So what do we know? What do we know from coming to church here? What do we know from small groups? What do we know from teachings? Why do we gather here? What do we know? We know that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. I know that Christ died on the cross and that my sins are gone and I do not walk in shame. I know that the resurrection of Christ guarantees my resurrection. I know that Jesus said, I will never leave you. But what I also know is Jesus said, there will be troubles. And so I live in the reality, the reality of this world, life circumstances, storms. See, now you've got nowhere to go, so we're going to take another minute. I live in the reality of this dimension, reigns on the just and the unjust. I'm going to have troubles. But at my core... I function with an eternal mindset that God will never abandon me. He's always good. He is always right. And nothing can drag me away from Him. Neither height nor depth, nor angels nor demons, nor things above the earth, below the earth. Nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. That is what I've got to know. All right, let's talk about first responders. So I'm going to tell you about first responders and weather people, and then we're done. First responders... <clears throat> they train, 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 train. I, I go out P Ridge Road, and they, they've got some big canister things out there. Obviously, I'm not. And um, the big things. And they have ladders, and they practice, and they're going in, right? And, and, you know, and it's dark, and it's foggy, and they set up all these scenarios. Why? Because you don't have time when, you know, you pull up in the fire truck and jump out. You don't have time to go, okay, now, let's see. Hose A goes to outlet B. I don't know, you know. Oh boy. Okay. Please don't be a volunteer fireman, Dan. Uh, you know. Okay. But what? Train, train, train. Why? Instinct. There's no time to think, y'all. The emergency room. You're on the way. You're driving 80 miles an hour. Some of you've done this. Your brain's not working. It's all heart. It's all heart. Oh, God, please don't let him, please don't let him, please don't let him die. Please don't. You don't have time. Okay, there's the fall, and then we live in a broken world. So I need to understand that the person I love is just vulnerable to reigning on the just. It's instinct. The goodness of God cannot be questioned. It's there, and it's going to sustain you. Now, let's talk about weather people. So first, we want to be spiritual first responders, right? Let's talk about weather people. Y'all, forgive me. Don't judge me. I'm judgmental. Don't judge me. Um, so the policeman comes out, chief of police, comes out to the press thing and microphone says, Y'all, the storm's coming. Storm's coming. And uh, we need y'all to start loading up on water and boards. And the weather people... Or, you know, red alert, red alert, you know, it's coming, the storm, it's out there, but it's coming, it's going to be here in a couple of days. 
And then the mayor comes out the next day. Y'all, serious. I think, uh, you know, we're going to consider leaving the island. We need to think about that. But everybody needs to really uh, load up on things. You may want to get a generator, get your batteries, everything, charge up everything. The weather people. It's coming. The storm's coming. Then the, the governor comes out. Hey, y'all, I'm not playing. This thing's going to hit. We need you off the island. The cops are going to be coming, knocking on the doors. Weather people. It's over. It's coming. The storm hits. Then everything settles down. A couple days later, the reporter goes, and they will find this guy. He's everywhere. So uh, you decide to stay. Yeah, I lost my whole, lost everything. Well, uh, didn't you, uh, what, what? I mean, I don't understand why did you stay. Well, if I'd known it was going to be bad, I, I, I would have left. You know, you just hope these people don't reproduce. So, y'all, Jesus says there's going to be troubles. Scripture tells us there's going to be troubles. You could, call, you could rename the Bible Families in Crisis. The Apostle Paul tells us there's going to be troubles. Life experience tells us there's going to be troubles. The weather people are telling us it's going to come. So rather than respond with shock and surprise and be devastated, and I say this respectfully, I know it's tough. We must be so connected, embracing of these truths that we've been learning, that we know. But they've got to not only be in our minds, but in our hearts and in our behavior. Our whole being consumed with the truth that God is always good. I'm going to wrap up by telling you the end of my story. I shared with you, a little bit vulnerable, my family uh, was pretty chaotic. But then I went to Christian college and, and I, I just wanted to save every teenager. Like, that was my thing because I was one of those beat-up kids and I wanted to go save. And, and so God called me into that and I began speaking, but I had no idea that God was going to take the greatest pain of my life and restore me and redeem that trauma to create in me an ability to connect with teenagers, to share my story. They would be drawn into that because they're wrestling with so many things and conferences all over the United States. And I'm telling you all this for the glory of God. I'm, not, I'm done with that. There is no fame in that. But I'm telling you that God took me to places all over the world and young people lining up and coming and I'm putting my arm around them and I'm sharing and I'm teaching and I'm training and I'm loving and, we're, and we're, kids are getting saved. Why? Because God took my pain and used it for His glory. Be assured that He did not cause that pain, but He is bigger than that pain. He doesn't cause trauma, but He is bigger than trauma. He's bigger than your past. He's bigger than your hurt. He's bigger than your questions. And He can restore and redeem. And I'm going to tell you the song I love. I think we're going to sing it in a minute, but I love you, Lord. 
for your mercy never fails me. All my days, I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God.